Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, everybody, how you doing today? Well, what a great day to be at Stevens Creek. Didn't our worship team here and at South Campus, they, I'm so proud of them. They do an amazing job leading us in worship today. Yeah, so good. Um, it's actually uh, Peyton, the one that sang that song. She's been on staff with us for about three years. It's her last Sunday today. She's getting married and is taking a job in Lexington where they're moving. And so we're going to miss her tremendously. But she's been just such a tremendous asset to our church and to our community. And so I know both here and South Augusta, we want to appreciate her for that. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'd like to welcome all those joining us online. You, you know, we have people watching literally from all over the world. And so if you're watching today online, if you would just do us, a, do us a favor in the chat, if you'd put where you're watching from, and then if you'd just share that, we want to make sure that we're getting this out to as many people as possible. I'd like to welcome all those joining us at our South Augusta campus. Give it up for our South Augusta campus, everybody. Come on. So excited for what's happening over there. Uh, Pastor Branton and Caleb are doing just such an incredible job and uh, proud of you guys and, and just look forward to all that God's going to do through you in that community. And uh, we're excited here at the Augusta campus for you guys. Well, we've been in a series over the past few weeks called Chosen. We're looking at the book of 1 Peter. Now, this is a picture of my son, Grayson. Grayson is uh, going to be a senior in high school senior in high school. It seemed like yesterday he was just a wee lad, and now here he is getting ready to be a senior. But uh, if you know anything about my family, if you follow me on any of the socials, on the gram or on Facebook, you know that I, we love baseball, and I post a lot of stuff. Sorry, but not sorry. Block me, do whatever you need to do. I'm going to continue because I'm proud of my boys. But we love baseball. We love to, to see my, my boys just flourish in that. And, and Grayson is, uh, you know, he, he had a great season this year, and he would love to play college baseball if that's a possibility. So he's striving towards that, and we'll see if that happens or not. But, but this summer is a big summer for that. And so this summer, um, he's playing on a showcase team, they call it, that goes to different places across the southeast and plays in tournaments where a bunch of college coaches will go and see him and all that kind of stuff. So just a way for him to get exposure and maybe fit him with the right program that, that, that his talent level would, would uh, be available to. And so um, he's on this thing called Foundation Sports out of Atlanta, Foundation Baseball. And uh, there's three different teams in his graduating class. And the top team, team one, is a bunch of players that are already D1 commits. That means that they've committed that they're going to play at Georgia, Florida, you know, Georgia Southern, those kind of schools, D1 commits. Most of them have already committed there. The second team is probably some D1 commits if they keep working, but probably more D2 level, which is uh, Augusta University is a D2. Uh, Lee University, that's our denominational school, is a, Lee, is, is a D2 uh, Georgia College and State University in Milledgeville, that's where my oldest son plays and pitches there. That's a D2 school. Um, so a lot of those will go there. And then there's a third uh, team that it's some that will go D2 if they keep working, 
but then maybe D3, NAIA schools, some smaller schools, JUCO maybe, um, and maybe some of them will end up not, you know, pursuing baseball at that point. So Grayson was going to be chosen to be on one of these teams. Well, he was chosen for the third team. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little ticked off about it because I felt like he should have been on the second team. But he was on the third team, and, you know, he was upset a little bit. You know, it was bothered him because he was, felt rejected a little bit, like he didn't get the due that he thought was he, he deserved. Um, and so he's on this third team. But he brushed it off, and over the past few weeks, he's been playing for that third team, and we've had three different tournaments that he's played in. He's uh, had three appearances, uh, pitched in four appearances, actually, and he has uh, only given up two earned runs in all of those appearances. So he's done really, really well. Okay, yeah, you can clap for it. Give it up for Grayson, everybody. Yeah. He'll be in the next service, so I hope they clap for him then. I have to go back and play this one for him. So he, um, you know, he did really well. Well, he got a call on Monday, or text on Monday, from the head of the organization. And the head of the organization um, just texted him and said, hey, Grayson, we've been seeing how great you've been doing, and how would you like to come and pitch in West Palm Beach? We think you're ready for the big stage. So he got moved up to the second team. You know how they made it sound so great, the, the big stage. So he's getting moved up to that, but he was super excited. Why was he excited? Because he was chosen. He got picked for that. You know, you feel something. People want to be chosen. And what we're learning in this series is that we are chosen. But it doesn't matter of our qualifications. It doesn't matter of our background or our past or the things that we've done. That God has invited us into his family. And we can take that invitation and be chosen and be a part of his family today. And so we're going to talk today um, as we look at chapter 3 of Peter as he's encouraging the early Christians to live differently than the world around them. By doing this, they will have the opportunity to share God's love, share God's hope with others. So we're going to talk about what it means to be chosen to bring hope. See, people love the idea of hope. You know, no matter what, you, you have a little bit of hope, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. I was watching a game, a, a baseball game last night. It was in the ninth inning, and there were two outs, they were down by a run, but there was a man on first, and there was one more strike left, but there was still hope. The crowd was still cheering. They were excited. There was hope. People love hope. They want a chance. Maybe you uh, remember the old movie back in the day, Dumb and Dumber. Anybody seen that movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. I love that movie. Uh, kind of dates us by saying yes if we love that movie because it's an old one. It's an old one. But in that movie, the, the main character, Jim Carrey, he's trying to convince this girl that's way out of, out of his league to be his woman, to be his girlfriend. And so this is how that kind of plays out. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. We really don't... Hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. 
<laughs> Telling me there's a chance. Yeah, we all want a, we all want a chance. We all looking for hope. We're all looking for hope. Well, people are attracted to that. They're attracted to up to hope, and so we want to be people of hope around people. In this passage, Peter is challenging the early Christians to stay true to their conviction in an increasingly hostile culture by living out what they say they believe. You see, Peter knows there's a temptation to just go along with what everybody else is saying, believing what everybody else is believing, and doing what everybody else is doing. So he challenges those first century Christians, and he challenges us today as well to live out our convictions. I truly believe there would be a spiritual revolution if we did just that. You talk about a second harvest that Pastor Marty talks about. We wouldn't have room for people in this church and at our South Augusta campus. The churches in our community, if, if the church really acted like the church should act and, and, and take this to heart, we wouldn't have room for people in our churches because they would see that in us and people would come because they wanted hope. So today I want us to look at some instructions that Peter sent to the church. These are instructions for living, meaning they require more than a belief, they require a conviction. So let's define those two words, belief and conviction. Belief is this, the acknowledgement that, that something really is true. But conviction is something entirely different. Conviction is a belief that is lived out, that you act upon. Belief is trying to say, you know, I believe I need to eat healthy. Let's just say that. We all believe that that's true, right? We all need to eat healthy. I mean, that's a given. But a conviction is when you don't stop at the Krispy Kreme every time the hot now sign is on. You know what I'm saying? We're not, every time it goes by, we're pulling in there. We want to get the Krispy Kreme. But conviction is saying, no, I believe that it's, it's good to eat healthy, but my convictions are, are making that possible because I'm not going to pull in there and get 17 dozen donuts. <laughs> you can believe something, but do you have the conviction to act on it? And you see, Peter is doing more than asking us to simply believe something is true. He wants to see it in our lives. So the, this is the test. The test to determine if something is a belief or a conviction. It comes with your life. It comes on how, with how we live. And in chapter 3, Peter gives us some great inspiration as well as some practical ways to live out our convictions so that we could be people of hope. First Peter 3, verses 8 and 9 says this, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, and don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Maybe today that would sound more like, you know, don't repay one mean Facebook post with another mean Facebook post. Or maybe one sarcastic remark with another sarcastic remark. Or one passive-aggressive behavior with another passive-aggressive behavior. But on the contrary, Peter is saying in verse 9, he's saying, repay evil with blessing because this is what you are called to so that you may inherit a blessing. So these are the tests. These are the tests that determine if our beliefs are really convictions. Are we sympathetic? Do we love one another? Are we compassionate? Are we humble? When we start to repay evil doers with blessing, when we're living with conviction, and when we do that, what will happen? 
Peter says that the world will take notice. They'll see that. And see, Peter got a front row seat of watching Jesus and how he operated and putting this into action. You see, every time in the Gospels, pretty much every time you see the Jesus and the word compassion, there's always an and with it. The word and is always there. In Mark 6, it says, Jesus had compassion and began feeding the people. Matthew 9 says, Jesus had compassion and prayed for the people. Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion and gave sight to the two blind men. Mark 1, he had compassion on the leper and he healed him. In other words, the compassion of Jesus always has an and. And we so often think about compassion as a, as a feeling or an emotion, but Jesus clearly shows us that it is a verb. It's an action step. And with Jesus, there's always an and. And when he cared about something, he went into action and he did something about it. So what's the opposite of compassion? You might say it's hatred or malice or violence. The opposite of compassion is actually this. It's indifference. It's to see a child who barely has enough clothes to wear or food to eat and you think to yourself, well, that's terrible. That's, that's not my kid. Or to see a, a parent that is a single parent and the, the spouse had just left them and with hardly any money and they're trying to raise the kids and to see that situation and go, man, that's a terrible situation. That's not my situation. Or to see an older gentleman that lives down the street from you that just lost his wife to cancer and to look at him knowing that he's lonely and knowing that he needs somebody to reach out to him but say, oh man, I'm so busy. I got so many things going on. That's a terrible thing, but that's not my dad. I got enough to worry about. So the opposite of compassion is indifference. But Peter says what? He says to be compassionate because when we model compassion, this kind of compassion we see in the life of Christ, the world will take notice. This is what we need to know. Our genuine love for people demonstrated in action has the potential to be the most powerful influence in the world today. More than our dogmatic convictions, more than our convincing arguments, it's doing good. It's showing love, showing God's hope. So here's the principle today. When people witness our compassion, they will begin to care about our convictions. When, we begin, when people begin to witness us doing good, having that and, and like Jesus and with our compassion, then they can start worrying about and wanting to ask about our convictions. But you see, so often I get this wrong. As Christians, I think we get this wrong because we always start with, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. This is how you need to live before we show them love. But Peter is telling us it's the opposite. We need to show compassion, allow them to see Christ living in us so that then they won't want, they'll want to ask questions. They'll want to know what is this hope that we have, and they will want to learn about the convictions that we have. But let's don't get that reversed. Increasingly, we must be marked by genuine love for people. And when we do, others will take notice. The kingdom of God will advance. The kingdom of God won't primarily advance through political channels or power plays, but it will advance through the unwavering commitment to the word of God 
and an unsurpassed love for all people. It's what our church is all about. From the very beginning, when Pastor Marty named this church, he named it Church of the Harvest. He had a passion to reach people that were far from God. The name of the church has changed, but the vision remains the same. We have it posted all over our campuses. Love God, love people, serve the world. People matter. You matter to God, so you matter to us. These are things that we believe. They're core values of what we believe as believers and as a church. And we want to share God's love and his hope with as many people as possible. So let's get back to our text in 1 Peter 3, and it says this in verse 15. This is a, a key verse for us today, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That means make him number one in your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So what Peter is saying here is he wants us to be willing to share our faith, to be able to tell people about the hope that we have in Jesus. But here's the thing. We have to make sure that we make it a priority, a priority to be around people that maybe aren't like us. We need to rub shoulders with people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. How are they going to see this hope in us if we're not around them? If we're not around people that aren't just like us. This is what it says in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In order for us to be able to be salt and light like the scripture is commanding us to do, we have to be around people that need it. I talked about baseball earlier. You know, you're going to hear that theme come up several times in this message because it's a big part of our lives. And baseball has always been that thing for us. Um, you know, our boys started playing when they were, I mean, hold a bat, they're playing ball. You know, it was that, that young, playing organized, organized ball. And, and it, it became more than just an activity for our boys. But over time, it became an opportunity for us to be around people that weren't, we weren't normally around. It was an opportunity to be around people that didn't have the, the same outlook on life. Maybe they didn't have the same faith as us. Maybe they didn't have the same morals as us. But we were able to be around them and rub shoulders with them. And as the years went on, we became more and more aware of the impact that we could have through baseball. I mean, who would have thought? Just doing what, if you've gone through our next step class Doing our first three steps of the seven-step strategy is to just be nice to people and then to share your story with them and then to invite them to church. We just simply started doing that. And I can't count the number of people that have come to the creek from our relationships through baseball over the past 16 years. It's been amazing. Because of those relationships, I've had the opportunity to pray for people at the, at the ball field, have conversations, of phone calls, just encouraging them in uh, uh, things having to do with their faith. Been able to counsel people. I've been able to, the honor to, to preside over funerals for some of the coaches that lost their parents. There's one particular family that 
one of the coaches uh, lost his wife to cancer way too soon. And uh, they had a boy that was around our boy's age and played in the league. And they asked me to do the funeral. And man, what an honor that was. Who would have thought that, and that we would be, it was in this auditorium, they, we had the funeral here, that there would be tons of players dressed in their uniforms coming and parents of those players and all the coaches that were there coming to be a part of that funeral here at Stevens Creek Church. But it was all because of that relationship that I had with baseball. And I was able to speak hope in this tragic situation. I was able to say, even though this is so terrible and that we're, you, it's so painful, there is hope and there's hope in Jesus. And to be able to proclaim that was just an amazing, amazing thing. I then saw my kids start to catch on to this and catch on to the vision. And they started inviting their friends to church and being a part of what they were doing. This is a, a picture of my son's Ashton and his friends. I think this was his 14U baseball team. This was for tacky prom night at, at student ministries. And he invited his whole team. And they came. And this next picture is them. This is at our house before we, we left and the next picture is of them actually in the student center upstairs when it was up there, and they're just lined up, his whole team coming to church. But it's because of what we had started to practice in our own lives and using something like baseball to build that relationship and then to invite them to church. And what's so amazing is that that has continued. And my son Ashton, uh, my oldest son, he's going to be turning 21 uh, next week, actually, and um, he uh, plays baseball up at Georgia College. I'm so proud of him and Grayson both. They're, they're just so proud of them. And what's amazing is he's been able to continue that in college. And so he's become a leader. And every Tuesday night, last semester, he started a Bible study with the players on that team, whoever wanted to come. And they had uppers to 20 players that would stay in the locker room after Tuesday's practice or whatever they were doing on that day. After a long day, and they would stay, and he would lead them in a Bible study. And what an amazing thing that he was able to do that and the influence that he has. And I'm, I'm proud of my boys for a lot of things, but those kind of things is what really makes a dad proud. When he's using his influence to share his story and to invite people to, to have that relationship with Jesus, there's nothing better than that. And it's a challenge to us. That's, that's what we need to be. That's what we need to be as Stevens Creek Church, that we're people that are, are hope bringers. We're showing our, sharing our story so people can hear this message of hope and that they can um, start that journey with him. So I want to encourage you. I want you to find something that you can do that places yourself with people that maybe aren't like you. It might be something that you already do, and maybe you just need to put a different lens on so you're looking at it a little differently. I want to encourage you, this is what I say to people, find your baseball. Find that thing for you that you can um, share your story and be around people that need to hear it. But so often, you know, we fall short in this category. We just do. I've done it. I've fallen short many a times in this. And I think that there are three major temptations um, that we can find ourselves in, and we'll probably fit in this category. The first temptation is this, the temptation to just lie low. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 
you, you, you're overwhelmed by work. You know, maybe you're fearful what people might say if you start to talk about Jesus or you, know, you just don't, don't know what to say or how to answer maybe some of their questions. So instead of engaging, you just kind of step back and you just kind of bury your head in work and your family. You're, you're just tired. <laughs> You've got enough to do. And you just lie low. It's a temptation that we have. Or maybe the temptation that you have is that you, you blend in. And you know, often this, this begins with really, really good intentions. You know, I want to be salt and light. I don't want to hide my light under a bushel. But, you know, you sense the pull of everything that life has to offer. You know, you're sociable. You like to have a good time. Christians can be cool, you know. And if you can just show people that they can be just as they are, only Christian, they'll see that it wouldn't be that hard or that big of a deal for them to follow Jesus. But before you know it, you're being carried home after a night of friendship evangelism. And there it is, the temptation to blend in. This one could be very dangerous because we can do that. We can kind of say, you know, I, I want to be cool. I want to I no, feel like that I'm just like them. But we are called to come out of the world, to be different set apart. So we need to make sure that we don't fall into that temptation of blending in. Third temptation is this, that we group off. You know, you want to avoid compromise. You know, you don't want to blend in, but equally you want to be sociable and get to know some new people. And the perfect answer is right in front of you. Do everything with only people in your small group and people of Stevens Creek Church. You know, these people won't lead you into temptation, or at least they won't want to. But before you know it, your whole world experience is with your Christian friends. And this bubble begins to form around you. It's safe. It's holy. It's encouraging. It's not of the world. But it's not in the world either. Mark 16, 15 says this. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You see, we're to come out of the world, but only to be equipped so that we can what? We can go back into the world, so that we can be a light in, in the world. It's a massive temptation. When there are lots of nice, friendly Christians around, you know, just to group off. But I'm convinced that the Lord has something more for you. He has something more for us as our church and as our community. And I believe it's time for the people of Stevens Creek Church to rise up and to be people in the church that God wants us to be, to be the church of the harvest that Pastor Marty started 35 years ago, that we will be a light in this community and we will not lie low, we will not blend in, we will not group off, but we will be engaged with the world around us so that they can experience the hope of Jesus that is living in us. And when we do this, I believe the world will take notice. Do you want to be that church? Do you want to be that kind of person that brings hope? Well, if you do, I believe that there's three things, three principles that we can learn today from this. And if you want to be people of hope, you have to have an eternal perspective for life's temporary setbacks. It says in verse 15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
So if you're a Christian, Peter says this. He says that it's a given. You have hope. You have hope if you are a believer in Jesus. But it's, let's make sure we understand what hope is. It's not hope like you cross your fingers. It's not like, oh, I hope that uh, she says yes, or, oh, I hope that I win the lottery, or that's not the hope that we're talking about. See, Bible hope is Christian certainty about a glorious future. Look back at 1 Peter 1 and 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the resurrection, we too can have hope. And what we need to do is, 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 is what we have to understand is people are looking for hope. People are looking for hope. Maybe you're here this morning and and you don't have that hope and that assurance. Maybe you're looking for that hope today. I believe today is your day. Anne Frank, the Holocaust victim whose diary has sold over 30 million copies, famously wrote this. Where there's hope, there's life. If you have hope, you'll have life and you'll be unmissable. And if you have hope, confident, unshakable, unflappable Christian certainty about a glorious future, then when the heat is on, whether that's temptation to compromise or the stress of relationships or the fear of rejection, rather than to flip out or to freak out or rather than to lie low or blend in or group off, you'll be unmissable and the world will take notice. That brings us to the second thing people of hope will do. People of hope will look for God-given opportunities just to tell their story. Let's go back to our verse in 15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So it's not only the um, important that we're Christians, but we are public Christians. In other words, we need to be close enough to unbelievers for them to see this hope living inside of us. And if they don't see anything, then perhaps there's nothing there. We're to season every conversation and shine God's light in every darkest place in our community. We're to be engaged in networks of relationships and friendships with both believers and unbelievers. And this makes our hope unmissable. But this is where I think a lot of us fail, me included. You might hear us talking about a big day at church like Father's Day next week where we're saying, hey, bring, bring your, your friends. This is a great opportunity for them to come and hear the message of Jesus. And you start going down your list of people that maybe aren't Christians in your, in your world and you're like, mm, I don't know if I have any. And I get it. You know, if you are an active Christian and living a Christian life, it can be busy. You can have prayer group on one day and small group on the next, student ministry on Wednesday night, Thursday night you come volunteer at the church, Friday something else, and then Sunday you come to church. And before you know it, you've gone the whole week and you haven't even been around somebody who doesn't believe. It's an easy temptation to fall into. But we have to remember that following Jesus doesn't mean grouping off with only believers or having to be weird or, you know, talk in some, you know, foreign language that people don't understand with the way that we talk and, or be weird about things or oversaved or trying to crowbar the gospel into every conversation that we have. 
No, it's not any of that. It's just being nice, just sharing your story, sharing God's love. We don't have to be, you know, I'd say oversaved. Anybody ever seen, you know what I'm talking about, like oversaved person? You know? Don't, don't look at them. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't have just a regular conversation. You know, hey, man, I'm, I'm thirsty. Are you thirsty? I'm thirsty for the Lord. <laughs> you know? Or, hey, I lost my keys. Can you help me find my keys? You need the keys to the kingdom. I don't drive a kingdom. I drive a Dodge. But, you know, maybe you're oversaved if you don't mess around with computers because they have a cursor. You know? <laughs> or maybe you rebuke the, the, the vacuum cleaner because it's a dirt devil. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at those. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, but seriously, I mean, we know that's not attractive. We don't want to be those kind of people. We want to be people that are normal people that we can have a conversation and that they want to look at our lives and they see how God is doing things in our lives and then we just can share our story and then we can invite them to church. But it doesn't have to be that we're weird. It doesn't have to be that we're, you know, they look and say, whoa, don't hang around with Todd, you know. But that we just simply share our story. It's simply believers acting out their beliefs in the world. If we could simply live that way all the time in full view of our non-Christian friends, then I assure you, it won't, it won't go unnoticed. That's what it says in 1 Peter 2.12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So don't lie low, don't group off, don't blend in, but live your life, your Christian life, among those that don't believe. And don't be surprised when the questions or the comments start coming and, and you will have the opportunity to share your story. And that brings us to our third point and our last point today is that people of hope show God's love in every situation. It's what we focused on at the beginning of the message, that our genuine love for people demonstrated in action has the potential to be the most powerful influence in the world today. More than our convictions, more than our convincing arguments, it's just us doing good, showing God's love, sharing his hope. And when we begin to put an and, like Jesus did, into our compassion, when we begin to be the people and we see people witness that the, the love that we share, that's living inside of us, that they can have that, and we're doing good, then they'll want to know about our convictions. They'll want to know why we believe what, why we believe, what we believe and why we believe it. We must be marked by a genuine love for people. And when we do it, they will take notice. We share his love because he shared it to us. He gave his love to us. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, they don't have to perish, but they can have everlasting life. 
He gave that love to us. Gave us that invitation. Also says in scripture that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. He died for Todd. He knew Todd was going to mess up. He knew Todd was going to have thoughts that he shouldn't have. Or do actions that he shouldn't do. But even with that, Jesus died for me. He died for you. He died for those watching online. Those are at a South Campus. And so today I want to pray two specific prayers as we close out. And the first prayer is going to be for those that maybe you've come here today and you've never received that hope, the hope of Jesus. And I know that this message wasn't really geared towards you today and you probably sat there and going, okay, you're just checking things out maybe. First thing I want to do is just encourage you to come back next week. Just keep coming back. But maybe this is the day that God was just pulling on the heart, on your heartstrings a little bit and saying, hey, today's your day. I wanna, I wanna be this hope for you. I wanna be this hope in your life. And if that's you today, we're just gonna simply pray a prayer. And I believe that God's gonna change your life and you're never, ever gonna be the same. The second prayer that we're gonna pray is for the, the rest of us that call yourselves believers. And we're just gonna pray that God would just turn up the temperature of evangelism in our hearts. We're gonna pray that God would just start doing something in us, maybe that we had at one time, or maybe we've never really had it, but that we're just gonna be extra aware of people around us. That we're gonna come to the place where our heart aches, it breaks for people that don't have the hope that we have found in Jesus. And that as we do that, as we pray that, we're gonna pray specifically in maybe some of those areas where you might find yourself. Maybe you are in that first category where you just lie low, man. And it's, I get it, it's busy. Life is lots going, there's a lot going on. But maybe God was just calling you and, and convicting you today saying, hey, it's time, Todd, not to lie low, but it's time to rise up. It's time to be a light it's time to look around, look in a different lens to see the people around you. There are people that, that need the hope of Jesus. And Todd, you can be that person that can help them find that. Maybe there's God saying that to you today. Or maybe you're that second group that maybe you just blend in. And maybe you just were being convicted a little bit today on maybe some of the life choices that you are having. And, uh, you know, it might even be as far as what the Bible says that maybe you're lukewarm what the Bible says. And what the Bible says, it says that I'll spew you out of my mouth. So it's not a good place to be. And maybe God's saying to you today, mate, you know, you don't need to blend in. You need to be separate. You need to come out of the world so that you can then go back in and share my hope. But you're going to look differently than what you were in the world before. Christians look differently. So maybe God's convicting you today. And maybe you're going to step out and you're going to make a new commitment to God. But you're not going to blend in. Or maybe you're in the, the group, group off uh, section. And this one's really easy to do. And, and people that, are, that group off, that, that's a lot of us. And, and you're good people. People that group off are, are awesome people. Christian, you love your family. You love Jesus. You study his word. But we get so focused and we get so much in that little bubble that I was talking about that we don't see the people around us. 
we don't have those relationships outside of our faith, that we can be that hope and we can share our story. So maybe that's you today. And God's just calling you to step out, make that step. And so today as we pray, wherever you might find yourself, whatever that next step that you need to take today, I believe that God's gonna meet you right where you are. There are our South Campus, those that are watching online. So let's pray. Lord, we just are so thankful today for who you are. We're so thankful that you give us hope, that you loved us so much that you gave Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and that you take away our past, you take away our shortcomings, and we can have hope in you. And so today, God, I pray specifically for maybe some of of those folks watching or those are at our South Campus or maybe here in this room, that maybe today they've been feeling that tug at their heart, that they, they, they need that hope. They want that hope living inside of them. And God, today's that day. And so God, I pray that they will just pray a prayer just like this with me that, and using their own words. God, I forgive me. I give you my life. Take my shortcomings, take my past. I give it to you today, God. And God, I I know that as people are praying that, that there's a party going on in heaven celebrating that. God, we're so thankful for those that have stepped across that spiritual line today. God, we give you praise for that today. God, we give you glory for that today. And God, our second focus that we want to pray today is for those of us that are believers. And maybe we find ourselves in some of those temptations to where we're lying low or we're blending in or we're grouping off. God, I pray that you would just, you would just meet each and every one of us right where we are. And God, that you would stir in us a passion like never before. God, that we can be the people that you have called us to be. God, that we can be, be, be a, a, a beacon of, of hope to this community here at our Augusta campus, at our South Augusta campus. God, as we reach out, as we love people, as we serve the world, God, that you would allow people to, to want that hope and that we can just share our story. And God, they can come and they can make that decision to follow you. So God, just stir in us. Break our hearts today, God. God, we're thankful today for all you're doing. We're thankful for what you're going to do. So we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we just thank God for what he's doing in this place? Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.